In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite the children to come forward, and instead of a children's sermon today, we're going to listen to our Heavenly Harmonies Children's Choir. You can come up and join me, and we'll listen together. <laughs> Except for those of you singing, go that way. Heavenly Harmony. Beautiful message. That was our children's choir message. They, they practice, by the way, the older kids practice uh, in between this service and the next service at 1015 every Sunday. And then the younger kids, Canterbury kids, uh, practice uh, on Wednesday evenings at 5 o'clock if anybody would like to have their kids or grandkids sing with them. I'm glad you came over here, but I really don't have a, uh, that was it, you know, you gave the message today, and a beautiful job you did. So if you want to get a packet from Mr. Mark over there, you can get a packet and then go have a seat or go back to where you sit as acolytes. Thank you for coming up.
was telling Deacon Jennifer this morning that I stepped off the porch yesterday. I think I broke my middle toe. I was home by myself, so I called. No, that's that part's true, but I called a tow truck and they didn't come. <laughs> no, I really, I really did hurt my toe. That's why you see me kind of moving a little weird. There was a well-worn $1 bill and a very distressed $20 bill. They arrived at the Federal Reserve Bank to be retired. And as they moved along the conveyor belt to be burned, they struck up a conversation. And the $20 bill reminded, uh, reminisced about all of his travels all around the country. He said, I've had a pretty good life. He said, I've been to Las Vegas, I've been to Atlantic City, I've been to the finest restaurants in New York, I've been to performances on Broadway, I've even been on a cruise in the Caribbean. And the $1 bill said, wow, you've had a really, really exciting life. And the $20 bill says, so tell me, where have you been throughout your lifetime? And the $1 bill replies, well, I, I've been to the Anglican Church and to the Baptist Church and to the... <laughs> Methodist Church. <laughs> and the $20 bill interrupts and says, wait a minute, what's a church? Oh, oh yeah. It doesn't apply here. I mean, you know, other places around. And then there was an elderly woman who walks into the local country church and this very friendly usher greets her at the door, helps her up the flight of steps, and asks politely, and where would you like to sit, ma'am? And she answered, well, I'd like to sit on the front pew, please. And the usher said, oh, no, you really don't want to do that. The preacher is very boring. <laughs> and the woman inquired, do you happen to know who I am? And he said, no. And she replied indignantly, I am the pastor's mother. He asked, and do you know who I am? And she said, no. He said, good, and went on. And so, my friends, together we come today to, to celebrate as we walk through this season of stewardship. Father Larry preached last week about stewardship. I'm preaching today. Next week we have lay, a layperson. So we come in celebration, most of all, to thank Almighty God for his goodness in sending his son to live and to die as one of us, offering us eternal salvation in fact, that is why we gather every Sunday morning in worship, in thanksgiving. But secondly, we come this morning to celebrate the many other blessings that we have received from our very generous God and to offer back to him with thankful hearts a portion of what he has given to us. You may have heard me say it once or twice or three times in the past 30 years, but it is our Christian responsibility, our Christian responsibility to give back to God so as to further the spread of the gospel in its many, many forms. 
And so today I speak to you without any kind of apology about Christian stewardship and in particular about money. Without apology because Jesus himself spoke quite a bit about money. In fact, two of our readings from scripture today within the lectionary speak about tithing, giving. One third of the parables of Jesus deal with stewardship and money. One sixth of everything Jesus said deals with stewardship and money. So today we celebrate, and during this season, we celebrate our stewardship together. And I want you to hear me when I say this. Stewardship begins and ends with what? Money? No. It begins and ends with seeking first the kingdom of God in your life. Everything in the teachings of Jesus hinges on seeking first the kingdom of God with all of its goodness. And when that happens, when we seek first the kingdom of God in our lives, everything else necessary to living begins to find its proper order. Jesus even goes so far as to say that Anything which comes before this first thing of seeking the kingdom of God is idolatrous. If we put our families before this, if we put our children, our spouses, if we put our careers, if we put money, if we put getting people to church, if we put uh, getting members to tithe, if we put paying off the debt first, before seeking the kingdom of God, it becomes idolatrous. Because human nature being what it is, if we don't seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, we will not seek it at all. If we don't put it first in our lives, it gets placed on a back burner. You know, once upon a time, there was a gardener who grew this very large carrot, very proud of it. And so he took it to his king And he said, my Lord, this is the greatest carrot I've ever grown or ever will grow. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and my respect for you. And the king was touched and discerned the man's heart. So as the gardener turned to go, the king said, wait, you are clearly a good steward of the earth. I own a plot of land right next to yours And I want to give it to you freely as a gift so that you can garden it as well. And the gardener, he was amazed and delighted and he went home rejoicing. But there was a noble man who stood nearby and overheard the whole conversation. And he said to himself, my, if that is what you get for a carrot, what if you gave the king something better? And so the next day, the nobleman, he comes before the king leading this handsome black stallion. And he bows low and he says, my king, I breed horses. And this is the greatest horse I have ever bred or ever will breed. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. But the king discerned that nobleman's heart. And so he took the horse and merely dismissed him. And seeing that the nobleman was perplexed, the king said, the gardener gave the carrot for me, but you gave the horse for yourself. 
Folks, God is not concerned with the size of our gifts, but with the purity of our motivation. In God's economy, the attitude is infinitely more important than the amount. Or as St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, he says, you must each decide in your own heart how much you are going to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And so I have two things to say about Christian stewardship this morning. The first is that anyone who gives only to get back is following a very ludicrous theology. If I were to say, say to you that God will prosper you because you give your offerings to this church, I would be guilty of the worst kind of self-serving blasphemy. We don't give our gifts to God in order to get something back. But at the same time, don't be surprised when God responds to your giving. We don't give to God because we hope to receive special favors in return. We give out of gratitude for what God has already done in our lives. That's the first thing I wanted to say. The second thing is, has to do with giving our lives to God. Each of us giving our lives to God. Jesus has revealed to us that the purpose of our creation is in essence not just to live out our life's biography, not just to go on living without doing anything, not just to go on living with the greatest sense of ease and significance as possible. That is not the goal of the Christian life. It might be the goal of many human lives, but not the goal of the Christian life. The goal of the Christian life is to give our hearts to the Lord, to live in relationship with our God. If we say, perhaps to our husband or to our wife or to our kids, I love you with all my heart, we are saying I'm committed to you. All that I have is yours. I trust you enough that I'm willing to share everything with you, all that I am, everything I hope to be. That kind of commitment and more is also what God asks, what God commands. For truly, everything is his in the first place. Each of us, we belong to God. God quit thinking about us right now, we would disappear. There's a story about a pastor who had made an appeal in church for a great worthy cause and afterward, a certain woman, a member of the church, came to him and handed him a check for $50 and asked at the same time if her gift was satisfactory. And the pastor immediately replied, if it represents you and your love for God. Well, there was a moment of soul searching. She asked for her check back and she left with it. And a day or two later, she returned, handing the pastor a check for $5,000 and again asked the same question, is my gift satisfactory? And the pastor gave the very same answer again, if it represents you and your love for God. As before, a truth seemed to be driving deeply into her soul. 
And after a few moments of hesitation, she took the, back, the check back and, and left. And later that week, she came again with the check. This time it was for $50,000. And as she placed the check in the pastor's hand, she said, after earnest, prayerful thought, I have come to the conclusion that this gift does indeed represent me and my love for the Lord. And I am very happy to give it. And so the question becomes for us, does your giving represent you and your love for the Lord? In other words, does it represent how God has blessed and enabled you to give? Or as Deuteronomy 16, 17 says, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. There's a silly story, I told it a few years ago, about, makes a powerful, powerful point, I think, about how many of us might be where we, where we might be right now. And according to the story, Pope John Paul II was needing a heart transplant, and there was much concern throughout the Roman Catholic world. Everyone gathered outside the Vatican, screaming, uh, screaming and just waving their hands, take my heart, Pope, take my heart, everybody. Well, the Pope, he didn't know what to do. So an idea popped into his head. He asked everyone to please be quiet for a few minutes, and he told them all that he's going to throw a feather down. And whoever the feather happened to land on, he would take their heart for the transplant. Pope John Paul II then threw the feather down upon the people. And everyone was still screaming, take my heart, Pope, take my heart, except with one, one, one exception, one difference. They were all leaning their heads back, blowing the feather into the air. Take my heart, Pope, <laughs> take my heart. <laughs> and I think that's where many of us are in our spiritual lives. We're willing to give a few tokens to God, but our bodies, our brains, our hearts, Take my heart, Lord. God wants everything we have, everything we are, everything we hope to be. To surrender to the love of God means that we have to turn loose of trying to be the master of our own lives. To, re to, re to release ourselves totally into his hands, into the hands of the one who loves us the most, who nurtures us constantly. And to do that means that the gods that we have worshipped in trying to save ourselves must be surrendered, must be turned loose of, so that he indeed may become the Lord of our lives. And so Jesus' call is to know God and the meaning of God. And once that happens, we will begin to know the meaning of our own lives as well. We will begin to understand to practice true stewardship because stewardship is nothing less than the offering of our total complete lives to God. It is a total response and accountability before God. Only one component of which is the giving of the money for the work of the Lord through this parish of St. Timothy's. So it is my prayer that through 
the pledge you offer to God for the coming year, through the pledge Mary and I we offer to God for the coming year, we would be able to sense the joy and the liberation and the power and the oneness with our Lord that comes from giving out of thankfulness and out of a response to the tremendous love of God. It comes down to one simple decision. Does your giving represent you and your love for the Lord? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.